Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Sally Hepworth is the New York Times bestselling author of eight novels, most recently, The Soulmate. Her 2019 novel, The Mother-in-Law, has been optioned for a TV series by Amy Poehler. Drawing on the good, the bad, and the downright odd of human behavior, Sally writes incisively about family, relationships, and identity. Her domestic thrillers are laced with quirky humor, sass, and a darkly charming tone. Sally's novels are available around the globe in English and have been translated into 20 languages. She has sold more than one million books worldwide. Sally lives in Melbourne, Australia, with her husband and her three children. Here is my conversation with Sally. Sally Hepworth, I am so excited to talk to you today. Thanks for being here. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is mine. I'm so happy. Or I should just say g'day. G'day would work too. I like to pretend like I'm an Aussie. Yes. I pretend like I am, but all my Aussie mates, whenever I try the accent, they're like, just really don't. It's really horrible. It's so hard to do. It's an extremely hard accent. I actually think that you did a really good job. And I often try my American accent when I'm over there and it's shocking as well. So I say good for, good try, good for giving it a go. (laughs) I appreciate that. Well, I am just so thrilled you're here today. I enjoy talking to all of my guests, but the real test is when I call my sister on the phone and I say, guess who's coming on the podcast? And then I make her guess, or I just say it right away because that's annoying. But I told her Sally Hepworth and she was super excited. We are both huge fans of your books. I think I've read almost all of them, but I I realized I haven't gone back to Midwives. So I'll have to put the rest of your backlist so I can complete the octagon or really nautagon if we want to include the ninth. But so exciting. So thanks for taking the time. Oh, and what's your sister's name? Let me say hi to her. Oh, please. Her name is Amy. Hi, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) She'll love it. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so I shared your bio uh, before I started the episode, but I think there are a few things I'd like to add to your official bio. And one is professional mover because you, it seems like, I was watching your Instagram the other day about the, I have to move and I just don't want to do it and the miscellaneous box. I was feeling that so intensely because moving is brutal. How many times have you moved in the last year? Or maybe two. So I have moved. So we moved out of the long-term home into a rental home. Okay. And then we moved again into a 150-year-old home that we're renovating. <laughs> so uh, that And that's in the past six months or so. And uh, so it's possible that there is another move on the cards. But one way or another, we're going to die in this home. That's what, <laughs> that's, that's what my husband and I keep saying. And it may be because we kill each other. So... Well, I mean, sometimes that's the way it goes. I'm just home home improvement in good general. Good book fodder. Yes, it is good book fodder. <laughs> we have currently a broken toilet, and our avoidance oh, wow. of that situation is really next level. I mean, we are type A overachiever people, and we keep, you know, <laughs> like we're almost to the point where I'm like, well, if we kept a bucket and then we could flush it that way, and I think, no, this is not a way to live. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> Well, we, we call them Hepworth workarounds in our oh. house. So 
when something doesn't work, we will often go to any kind of degree. For a while, we had to have one of the kids standing next to the television holding the button down to get it to stay on while the rest of us watched it. So, you know, desperate times. Right. It's so true. Hepworth workaround. <laughs> I am going to, uh, I will be adopting that post haste. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So professional mover. I'd also add entertainer. You are so fun to follow on Instagram and anything that Aww. involves your videos. You're just such a delight. It's really a joy. Did you, when you got on there, was it originally for book stuff or just personal or how did that kind of evolve for you? It's so funny. I, I give precisely zero thought to my Instagram and, and I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, how did you do it? What's your strategy? And I'm like, strategy, oh. <laughs> strategy. I mean, I just point and shoot at something that's going on in my home. And, and that's the answer is that it was during lockdown and, and here in Melbourne, Australia, we had a very long lockdown Yes, and I, like so many people, were connecting through social media, through online, through Zoom, through podcasts, and I just would video what was going on in my home and it just, people thought it was, I mean, I thought it was funny too. That's why I'm putting it out there. (laughs) I have a a rule that if it has to serve a purpose, is it going to entertain people? Is it going to inform them? Is it going to, you know, be something that's useful? Yeah. And and not only, you know, people really enjoyed it for a laugh. It made them feel less chaotic, perhaps. And I really enjoyed looking back at some of the stuff that, that happened during that time. And it's like a time capsule of this weird time in life. And it's been lovely. I love that I now, I toured the States last year mm-hmm. and I was meeting people that were coming up to me and saying, how's Christian? How's Clementine? You know, all members of my family. Or, you know, how's the moving going? And you feel like you have a relationship before you actually have a relationship, which is really nice. Yeah, I think you're so right. There really is, you know, there are goods and bads about social media, but you really can develop true connection. And that's, I think, so much of what we need and want anyway. So that makes sense. I love it. What's your strategy? Uh, There wasn't one. How about that? And I'm just so appalled that, that oh, not appalled, but like I'm sort of excited that they thought there was a strategy to that chaotic, you know, hectic thing that I do. A hundred percent. I'm impressed that you didn't say, well, <laughs> uh, that strategy can be yours for just a, a cool, cool yeah. price of $10,000 <laughs> wired to it's me. A monthly and fee. I'll, yep. I'll just email it right on to you. That'll be perfect. So in addition, I mean, I feel like I came up with a big list. It was not hard at all. Mover, entertainer, fashion influencer. I mean, you really have done some good work. And I love hearing about the Aussie brands. And I know we can't always get them in the States, but they're, it's so fun to kind of follow along with that and see the way that you're impacting some of those businesses, which is fantastic. You are also a wig educator, I would say. Yeah. And I really wig wigfluencer. Someone called me on. Wigfluencer. Um, I think it was when I was on the Today Show here in Australia. It said underneath, you know, they have the name and yes. then they have like a one word, and it said Sally Hepworth wigfluencer. And I was like, you know what? I was hoping for New York Times best-selling author, but wigfluencer. <laughs> now that is cool. <laughs> They're going to remember that. that. To my bio. <laughs> A million percent. Well, I'm so glad you did because as one of the people in the world with fine hair who will forever be, you know, like when friends are like, oh, my hair's so thick, it gets tangled, it won't whatever. And I think, you know what? You can shut up. 
Yeah, you so, monster. So exactly. So it's so nice for me, but it I just have loved seeing that journey and it gives me hope for uh finding a topper one day because I'm sure it's in my future. Oh my goodness. If if things don't work out in the book industry, yes. I'm going into the topper industry because I think every whether you have the alopecia, whether you have, you know, just thinning hair, it's the new um, hair extension, I think. It's, yes. You know, you can just put it on your head. Your hair is done. Your hair is thick. It's it's just a glorious thing, and I, I think they're coming. It seems so brilliant because the thing with extensions is, aside from the financial investment, which is considerable, the time. Yep. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine sitting in a chair for that long on the regular. Yep. I would lose my mind. And the damage it does to your hair, whereas yes. toppers will just, that you just clip them in. I'm wearing one right now. No yeah. one can tell. And then you take it off at the end of the day and away you go. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I can't wait. And see, these are things I would not <laughs> have known about had it not been for you. So I appreciate that. So I've given all these amazing things. Oh, I forgot one. One, and this might be my favorite one, advice columnist. <laughs> I do not know. How that happened. Now that one is probably the one that had a little bit of strategy okay. to it because I oh, and I firstly need to say my dog is in here because she barks if she's not in here and every now and then she lets out this enormous snore. So <laughs> to anyone listening, it's not me. I'm awake. It's That's my dog. dog. Okay. And she's a tiny little dog. She sounds like a Rottweiler when she snores, but but they have it. Uh, I needed to build up my newsletter because everyone lives in fear. You know, you, you relate to people on Instagram. That's my first love. But if Instagram changes its algorithms, if, you know, you can lose all those followers and yes. a newsletter is yours to own. And so with my gorgeous, I've got this gorgeous little assistant. She, I shouldn't say that. She's a very intelligent young woman, Gen Z, whippersnapper, just, you know, she does everything that I don't understand. And she said, you've got to do a newsletter. And I said, well, what goes in a newsletter? They're boring. No one reads them. And she said, why don't you do like an agony aunt? And I thought, yep, I'll do that. That sounds great. So that's what I do. And I love it. I love, you know, and my friends, I just have been on a girls weekend with my best and oldest girlfriends. And they were like, it's so funny that people are listening to your advice, Sally. And I'm like, well, I needed some people to listen because you guys don't listen to me. So (laughs) now I get to give people advice and they have to listen or just delete the email one way or another. Either way, it is a captive audience, which is nice. But I think your advice is really fantastic. I've been subscribing to your newsletter for, I think, a couple, a year or whenever it started coming out, but I have loved Yay. the dear, dear Aunt Sally. Dear Sally yes. is just fantastic. And I do, I, I really, because I love your writing so much and I think you have good perspective. So I'm so glad that other people are enjoying Yay. it. And you're right. It is like <laughs> newsletter emails are like the gold of the publishing world. It feels like, like how many, how many yes. do you have, right? How many yes, people but can then you have to find a way as a, as an entertainer, as writers, you know, you just don't want it to be the same old thing. You want people to want to receive it. And my biggest fear in life is people being bored by me. That's like the death knell. So the newsletter had to do something different. I couldn't agree more. I have asked my editor many times, please tell me this book won't be a waste of someone's time. And they're like, wow. Okay. Yes. And please stop making me counsel you every time we talk on the phone. And I say, well, that's just what you get with me. Sorry. 
and that's their role. But by <laughs> but by yeah, counselor slash editor. And by the way, I am so excited about your book. So it's the the anxiety. Tell me the anxiety. So it was librarian. It's well, yes. The title has changed just recently. So the title is oh. now Everyone But Myself. Oh, love. I know. I'm excited about it. Yay. I'm glad you like it. I'm really looking forward to it. So it will be fun to share. And it features a librarian. Well, so it's not, it's actually a memoir. So it does feature someone who works in a library, which is me. So yeah, it's a memoir. Yeah. It's this story of my, about of time that I suffered from anxiety and depression after I cared too long for everyone but myself. So I think I'm hopeful that it will be I think it's a story that's common for a lot of women and especially anyone who's trying to balance work, obligations, all these pieces. And I love caring for my family. I love loving them, but I have to be on the list too. So I'm hopeful that it will make people feel less alone. Well, that that was the topic of conversation for my entire girls trip and we're all 42 years mm-hmm. old is that we're at that peak age where that's exactly it. So they're all going to get a copy when it comes out. I'm going to buy it for my girls weekend. Oh, week, I can't wait. Year. I would I would be honored. I love <laughs> it. Okay, so let's talk about how you became a writer. How did you mm. what was the start or what do you see as kind of the beginning of your career? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, if we go way back, yeah. I wrote my first book when I was seven, and and not just you know because I loved writing, but I wanted it to be published. I came to my mum and I said, "I'm going to write a book." I hadn't even written the book, right? Like it yeah. was just about the idea of getting published. <laughs> That's <laughs> going to be great. Uh, I'm such a show pony, you know. That was just, and I I never, interestingly, have written in a journal because that made no sense to me. I write to entertain. So if no one's going to read it, what's the point? And so I wrote this book. It was a book of short stories. I asked my aunt, my mum's sister, who was a a publisher, but not of fiction. She published school textbooks, but I rang her up. I said, I'd like you to publish this. She put it between two like really old school, like a manila folder with gold you know, the gold press stubs oh, with the two brands, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and she wrote on the back copyright Sally Caradus, which was my my maiden name, 1988, and I still have that. Well, my mum does. She won't give it to me because she thinks it might become a, a collector's item and I'll lose it, and she's <laughs> quite right. But I, she brought it She brought it to my the launch of my first book and showed everyone and then when I went to take it, she said, no, you can't have it, and t- took it home. That's but, incredible. <laughs> so in some ways people say it was, you know, in the stars and, and my mum says she always knew, but she never told me because, which is kind of annoying because I had, you know, a good 12, 13 years after leaving school where I didn't know what I wanted to do and mum right. was all, you know, not chiming in with her wisdom. <laughs> so Thanks I, a lot, mum. <laughs> very obvious now mum thanks a lot so I did um, I did an arts degree not not fine art but that's I don't know if you have a similar thing but it's a really gorgeous um, humanities degree history English politics you know things like that yes um, literature and I but but gives you this gorgeous general education and Mm. equips you for nothing you know that kind of Yes, um, I love it. You can be a jobless Renaissance woman. Congratulations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like an academic, you yes. know, out there. But 
I did that. I then worked in event management. I worked in human resources, mostly for the gossip because I like to know how much everyone was paid and, um, you know, if there was any, you know, any complaints against people. And uh, I was dreadful at it because I'm a real gossip and you're meant to keep all that stuff confidential. And when I, and in the meantime, I'd met my husband and we had travelled and and we'd living in different places and we were living in Canada. When I was working there in HR, I became pregnant with my first son who's 13 so that's how long ago it was and Canadians pay you for a year of maternity leave I mean as if we need another reason to love the Canadians that's true right Mm -hmm. and and I thought what am I going to do with all my time off you know (laughs) if if you're listening (laughs) I'm doing the inverted commas because I you know there's a baby there but I was an idiot because it was a first time mum and I thought I was going to need something to do so I thought I'm going to write a book and I could never have done it if it wasn't for Google because you know writing a book feels a little bit well how do you do it it's hard you know unless you do a, a creative writing degree or something yes there's no real like instructions so I Googled it and I, I found some instructions. <laughs> do this, then do that, do this. <laughs> Did you print and, them out <laughs> with your yeah, WebQuest yeah, directions honestly, next to them? <laughs> I kind of did. I had a spreadsheet, That's which is amazing. so funny now. Yeah. And then don't at me, if you're listening, don't ask me what the, the method was because it, it doesn't matter. It was called the snowflake method, but that was just because that's what Google spat out first okay. and I've never used it again. Okay. And it's not that that was a particularly good method. It was that it gave me the confidence to take writing from this kind of esoteric thing that I didn't really know how to do and put some practical parameters around it. Um, So it could have been anything. And I did write a book that year. My son was a gorgeous, really good sleeper. I called him my robot baby (laughs) because he would just like love to schedule. And he's still a robot child. He's my, he's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell. It's okay. No. It's no. fine. Um, no one needs to know. Well. <laughs> he knows, but I don't tell my daughters. And I I wrote a book that year. I'm going to hurry this up because I do, I am quite verbose, but I, I, I wrote that first book, worst book in the world, but it really made me love the writing process. And I then wrote another book. And each time I kind of read more books about how to do it, I've been obsessed and still am with with an idea that someone out out there has the secret Mm. to how to do it and I haven't discovered it yet, so I'm looking. Yes, (laughs) yes. Tell me your formula. I need to know if there's something I'm missing. And, you know, funnily enough, I'm friends with a lot of authors now and we all do it to each other. Uh, and, And even, you know, my friend Jane Harper, Leanne Moriarty, very, very successful authors are saying to me or each other, yes. how do you do it? You know, we're, we're all kind of in that club. But um, just to, to wrap that up, then it was my third book, The Secrets of Midwives, which sold around the world and yes. that allowed me to become a, a full-time writer and, and quit the day job. And, you know, we've kind of been booking with gas since then. So Absolutely. Yeah. I really love that story because I think that what you're talking about is very common for so many people, this idea that I want to write a book. Okay, great. Yeah. You know, I think that it is that translation from I want to, and it's this big idea. And even I sort of had these 
aspersions that it would just be, you know, I'm just going to sit down and hammer this out and no problem. You either, it's so, it needs to be demystified because it is such a, there is a craft to it, obviously, but also this sort of, you do need a process because it's a massive undertaking when you think about what you're actually generating and then how you sift through it. So I love that you were able to do that. Yes, but I will say that we all do it so differently. And I, you know, to to those who perhaps are listening and are just, they've got no plan, no method, and they're just writing it. That's absolutely exactly how a lot of writers I know started and still do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of my favorite, Leon Moriarty will write with nothing more than a, um, you know, a premise and, you know, off she goes. And, and then Jane Harper, another friend, plots down to the minutiae. So I don't believe that there is one way. I think no. the biggest challenge of it is to find a way that is is comforting for us, you know, and that allows us to believe, yes, I can do this because mm. I think 90% of it is getting past the fear. At the end, we're all going to end up with a book, whether you yeah. plot it, whether you do lots of work in advance or you do the yes. work while you're writing you need to work out a method that works for you. That's so true. The fear is really such a barrier. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure, does that has that lessened for you over the years or do you feel like your process has helped you manage it better? Has it lessened? It's changed. It's okay. changed. So I, I don't fear that I'm wasting my time as much as I did in the, before I was published, before I had a a contract because then the fear I had very little babies and mm-hmm. um, because in in that journey that I kind of skimmed over I had another baby you know I was working and, and doing all those things life's very very busy and yes. I was stealing from their time stealing from my social time stealing from my marriage time to write a book that may never be published mm-hmm. um, and that was a big fear that I was just wasting my life wasting these precious moments. The fear now is different. So for example, after I wrote The Mother-in-Law, I wrote a book, I spent a year writing it. And when I sent it to my publisher, they didn't like it. And so essentially I spent a year writing a book that wasn't published. And to be fair, good reason. Like it, sure. it, it wasn't working this book. Okay. So not all oh, their their monsters. The <laughs> book wasn't working. And so that fear then became a new fear that, oh, you know, I thought once I got a contract, the fear of the book not getting published was gone. But now that little fear is a little earworm for me. Perfect. Which is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a delight, right? Hey, great. There's something else to be terrified of. This is wonderful news. I know, but you know what's funny is that because I'm such a talker, I'm such a blah, blah, blah you know, let's yeah. tell everyone about my fa- my failure, you know, it, it never it. occurred to me that that's something I should keep close to my, 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 ch- my mum always says to me, Sally, you don't have to tell everyone everything, you know, um, <laughs> but, but apparently I do. But recently I was interviewing an author friend of mine who had written a book and it was rejected by her publisher okay. and she then was able to to sell it elsewhere, but but that had been a real setback for her. And she said in front of the room, and I'm interviewing her, she said, you know, in the middle of all of that, I was so grateful that Sally had spoken out about what happened to her because I thought to myself, at least this isn't as bad as what happened to Sally Hepworth. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to 
be someone's at least story. <laughs> I really am happy because, like, I I will be the butt of someone's jokes. Like, I am I'm here for those people. <laughs> yes, but like, how how funny is that? And and I want that bad experience for me to serve good for people. Like, it's got to do something good, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you're right. There is a a lightness we can hold that stuff with because I think the more we keep to ourselves, the more we can feel a misplaced sense of shame around those sorts of things or more emotion that just eats us up as opposed to no, you know, failure is part of the process no matter what point you're at. And so I think that's a gift for people to know that because it, it is very freeing to think, okay, so I can still get up and go past that. Yeah, I, I hope that, and, and not that I, you know, consider myself an inspiration or anything, but I, I do like to demystify the process because I think people do hold writing in a particular sense that it is there is magic there. You know, yes. there is something intangible. There's no question about it, but yeah. there is also that that magic shouldn't be an impediment to anyone trying to do it if that's what they want Mm -hmm. and there should be no shame and I don't feel shame attached to failure and uh, you know so if that's a message that you can get out there then you know great that's that's a wonderful side benefit absolutely good on you it's horrible (laughs) wasn't it My my really future good. as an Aussie is coming into view. I'm so excited. Get over so, here. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Speaking of which, I did want to mention, I am listening to The Exiles right now, Jane Harper. I have oh. also listened to all her books. And I usually listen to those and read yours for some reason, but they are they are really stunning. That's amazing that she plots them so with such detail. I could see that. She has done a TED talk about how she manages her process. It's so fantastic. Oh, wow. Uh, so look it up. Anyone listening, look it up. If you just do Jane Harper TED Talks, I think okay. she's only done that one. But she's fantastic at demystifying uh, the pro- So if you are that way inclined yeah. and you want to be a plotter and listen, if you're not, you can still listen, but don't get that sense of trepidation that, oh, no, I have to plot and the way that I'm doing it isn't working because I know sometimes you can get mind games happening as a creative person. If you feel like you're doing it wrong, you're not doing it wrong. (laughs) You're not doing it wrong. It is. It's such a good opportunity though, to ask yourself what works for me, what doesn't work for me, and then have that filter of, okay, I'm going to listen to this and then, but I have to run it through what feels right for me because you're right. Everybody does have such a different process. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yeah, but exactly I also that. like to play that game of there is a best way and I'm missing it. And so I need to obsessively chase it down for the rest of my life and take all the joy out. (laughs) So that's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you and me both. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) We can do it together. And every other writer. (laughs) Yes, it is true. I think that's, yeah, finding out that actually. We could actually take it on a physical trip. Like we could have all these authors like on a plane, you know, like searching for the Holy Grail. Be like a great road trip, wouldn't it? That would be a Let's great Let's make that trip. happen. Yes. Great. And so something physical somewhere. Yes. In a pyramid or something. Oh, I love that idea. Yes. Almost, I'm thinking Da Vinci Code-ish, right? Like some sort of- Me too. Of, That's yes. totally what I was thinking. Perfect. Okay, great. I have- That's well, a book idea, I mean, isn't it? That is a book idea. As soon as you said that, I thought, oh- Okay, well, let's put Leave a pin in that. Me. We're gonna we're gonna loop back around <laughs> on that for sure because fiction is my next thing to tackle. So I'm sure okay. now I have an idea. I really okay. So when you are procrastinating, I'm sure you never procrastinate. Mm-hmm. But let's say you were procrastinating. <laughs> what do you like to do when you procrastinate? So I don't think this podcast is visual, but I'll describe what uh, what Julie is seeing in the background here, and that is all of my clothes. So. I I buy clothes online when I procrastinate okay. and I've just moved house as we said earlier and yes. I'm now sitting in what's where we're calling the wardrobe because there's a lot of overflow from my wardrobe and so I have racks of clothes in here I will absolutely shop online I will you know do things like we talked about social media earlier yeah, and sure. you know I'll capture a little moment of something that's going on in my house at the moment the funny thing is there's builders everywhere oh and such a weird that's funny both. it's so weird and you're in your pajamas <laughs> and you're out there you know looking saying yeah make that window a little bit to the left and then the other funny part is that my husband Christian who if anyone follows me on Instagram you will have seen He's obsessed with tradies. He's an accountant by profession. He's also a stay-at-home dad and the CEO of our home. Yeah. But he gets dressed up every day in his full, you know, he looks like Bob the Builder. He's wearing his tool belt, his boots, his high-vis vest. The builders don't look as protected as he is. (laughs) And he just follows them around, right? Like he has not got any involvement in this build whatsoever. Um, Currently, they're building a cabin in the backyard, a writer's cabin for me. Oh, and congratulations. he's out there, like just chatting to them and being a pest. So I get a lot of good footage of him following the builders around. So yes, I will, I'll do Instagram. I'll, I'll do things that need to be done, but aren't necessarily related to the book that I'm writing. So yes. I might go online and buy my daughter's netball, you know, outfit that she needs, but I haven't done, or I'll, at the moment, go on and order some tiles. You know, that's the whole <laughs> oh, renovation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need some tiles or go on Pinterest or, or something. But the more, as, as you spoke about, I'm in those, the hectic years of life where mm-hmm. there's always something to do. There's never enough time. And so that real purposeless kind of procrastination that I used to do 
is now mostly I procrastinate by doing an online grocery shop or something. (laughs) Yes, that's so true. You're exactly right. Because even as I think about that, I can never procrastinate doing something fun. I mean, it's just the worst, most boring stuff. And it's like, well, I guess I'll do this. So maybe, I I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we're becoming avoidant. I. We'll have to see. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I found myself um, fantasizing about being retired. <laughs> With all, all my girlfriends last week were like, oh, when they would talk about how our, our parents, you know, they're, they're just at the holiday house and they're just, they walk the dog and then they come home and go, what are we going to do today? We're all going, ah. Oh, you know, it's so wait. true. It's so true. I was born to be retired. I need that to happen. Same. ASAP. Retirement is wasted on the old. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Youth is wasted on the young. We really need to do some reorganizing here. I think we're right. really getting to a few core issues. It's so true, though. We talk about that all the time. Why like you can't save the middle age. It's true. We are in a, a neglected, a neglected group of ages, really? right? In this, it's true. I think we'll have to think. Who can that. we complain to? I, I want to write know. a letter. Yes. <laughs> I, isn't there an organization? Maybe we send it. <laughs> the AARP. Complaint. That's the American yeah. Association yeah. of Retired Persons. And maybe we could say Good. that they're excluding us. I don't know. I mean, we'll yeah. we'll work into it. I think I think we And can they do it. need us. Like they they need to do more because we are the sandwich generation looking after those yes. parents. Yes. Can't they share a bit of their retirement with us? It's it's really true. I I think I we're going to put it in the letter. Okay, great. I'll make some notes. Are yep. you still doing okay. writerly Wednesdays? Or have you? I had, I've kind of, as we said earlier, and yeah. met my lack of strat- my lack of strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I love because my husband says that my life motto is shoot, aim, ready. So this yep. is exactly my sort of thing where I'm like, oh, I'll try this for, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. Not for any thought, but just because. Oh my God. It's, it's a classic. I'm a Gemini and I also have ADHD. So I'm an amazing starter. Yes. I'm not a great follow throughher, <laughs> but I, as I said, I've got this gorgeous assistant who often says to me, Hey Sally, like, what do we think about doing a writerly Wednesday? And then, you know, I might randomly do one, but I, it may come back. I have not okay. been consistent with it. Um, and yeah, these last, I mean, something may have to change. It's interesting what you're saying in terms of my ability to do everything because I really am feeling quite under the pump in terms of, you know, I deliver a book a year, I do do the social media, not that that takes a lot of time, but an edit and tour and, you know, I'd love to get and I hope that I will get to a point where I've got a good balance and, you know, I have a personality where I am consistent and follow things through. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to happen. And I feel more in control of my life. (laughs) When's that going to happen? Can you put that in the letter? I will. I will consult with the AARP and say, excuse me, do you have a chart or something about this? Because I'd like the chart. It's so true. (laughs) I was just telling someone today, I really need a better system because I'm in a problem of my own making with getting my taxes done sorted. And I said, do I really need to itemize all this? And of course the enrolled agent said, yes, you do. And so then I'm going back and doing all of it. And I thought, okay, so I just need a system and to change my entire personality. And then we'll be all set. Yeah. Like then I will be footloose and fancy free. That's the only problem. It's the personality. It is. 
It is. Well, it's if our it's ability to enjoy life. Too. No, agreed. Yes. And all of our problems are of our own making, by the way. Like I, the, every problem in my life is my fault. No question. <laughs> and I even know how to stop these problems from happening, but do I? No. No. <laughs> no. Nope. We see oh, them God, coming. I'm so busy. Oh my God. I'm saying no to everything. Hey, Sally, can you do this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, this makes me so happy on the inside because I am just, it is exactly, yeah. Oh, you want me to do that? Sure. No problem. I've got time for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. My oatmeal's burning on the stove and all of the cabinets are open, but it's fine. It's no problem. I haven't seen my children for three years. I think they're here somewhere. <laughs> it's so true. My book's due tomorrow. Oh. I haven't started it, but yeah, I but yeah. can help you. Yeah. Yeah, I could help you move. I'm a professional mover. I'll, I'll help you move. This is how everyone lives their life though, right? So yes. I think it is. Honestly, I was writing about this today for my newsletter, but it oh. was just a side note where I was thinking this is, it, it feels to a certain extent unavoidable in this season of life because it is, yeah. the level of interruption is next level. So just, you don't ever you can rarely find an uninterrupted stretch of time or focus. And so, you know, the idea that I could train myself to pay attention better, sure, I could. And then I would just have to resent literally everyone that lives with me because they'd be constantly yeah. interrupting me. So yeah. it does It does feel like there's a really, when kids are in school, just, and they're, plans are always changing and they want to have like a social life and make friends and I don't know, be happy. It's annoying to be honest. It really it's, jams me up. It's just, it's too much to ask. It's too much, <laughs> but that's the bottom line. There is too much. We have, we have, we just have too much to even consider. So there is part of me that thinks, well, I guess I'll just do it sloppy. I'll do it a little sloppy yes. and we'll call it good. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's obviously where I'm at. Hence well, Radley Wednesday. <laughs> hence, um, and we've come full circle. I love everything about it. Okay, before we go, I would be remiss not to tell, not to, for people to have just a brief uh, overview of what the soulmate is about. Will you give me your elevator pitch, pretty please? Sure, I will. Yes. So the soulmate is about, as all my books are, dysfunctional family relationship. My favorite topic, and yes. so what could be more dysfunctional a relationship than marriage. And <laughs> I had wanted I had wanted to write about marriage for, for some time and I was waiting for the right plot, the right idea to kind of come to me. So the soulmate is about two married couples. There mm-hmm. is Gabe and and Pippa who are in their 30s. They've got two little girls and they have just moved to this beautiful cottage on a cliff that they, in a beautiful seaside town, that they got for a song and they, they're not really sure how, you know, they were able to move into this beautiful home and, and why it was so cheap. And they discover very quickly the reason that it was so affordable was because the cliff that the house is perched on is very popular with people who want to go and end their lives. But the kind of positive spin on this is that Gabe is kind of, escaping a life in Melbourne where things haven't been good and he really manages to turn his life around by becoming a cliff whisperer and mm-hmm. literally talking these people off the ledge and he's very good at it. In in the year that they've lived there, seven people have come to the cliff, all seven have walked away 
um, and he's become a bit of a local hero. But on the night that the book takes place, the, the first night or the first chapter um, of the book, so this isn't a spoiler, mm-hmm. he's out there talking to a woman on the cliff. His wife Pippa is watching from the kitchen window and she notices that things are a little bit different from normal. He's a bit closer to the woman than he normally goes to a person his arms are waving around almost like they're having an argument and then her attention is stolen by one of her children and when she looks back, the woman has gone over the cliff and her husband is standing with his hands outstretched almost as if he had pushed her. And so from there, the book goes forward to kind of discover what actually happened. Is he lying to her? Did she see something wrongly? And then it also goes into the marriage of the woman who went off the cliff and is now dead and her story is told part posthumously mm-hmm. um, from, from death but also in flashback and we look at at the two marriages, Gabe and Pippa and Amanda and Max, and really look at the concept of is a soulmate real? What makes someone your soulmate? And, you know, it's all kind of threaded together in a, a twisty story but one that I hope has a bit more resonance about marriage and the role that it's supposed to serve and and is there such a thing as as a soulmate? I really loved this one. It was so well done. Thank you. And it's it's characteristic of yours where it's just perfectly paced. I'm always impressed by your pacing and the way that you your books move. They have their own kind of momentum that's just right. I never feel like it's going too quickly or too slowly and the surprises are all there and it's it's really well done. I can't wait for more people to read it stateside. Oh. So I well, that wanna... is lovely. That's yeah, that as I said before, my biggest fear is boring people. And oh. so to hear that is just it makes my heart sing. Oh no. <laughs> Yours is a uh carry it around the house kind of book. Oh I love so that. So that's with yours, that's for sure what I'm doing is usually holding it in one hand and then trying to do something half-ass over here. And then that way I can Love. just get back to reading. So no, it's such a delight. So I am curious about your answer to that question about soulmates. What are your thoughts? Do you think that, I don't know, do you think there are soulmates? Yeah. I, you know, my my straightforward answer is no. I think okay. that you could have a happy relationship with many people and I I don't believe that there is just one person for any particular person Mm -hmm. but there are definitely very I think that there are some connections that happen instantly quite strongly that that perhaps can be confused with soulmates I also think having just come back from a week with my oldest girlfriends yes. <laughs> I always joke they're not they're not that old <laughs> but my, my my girlfriends that I have been friends with since I was 10 years old oh, and we what a gift yeah it, it's such a gift and we talked about how really we are each other's soulmates because you spend your life with your girlfriends you know and, and these ones they've been around since before the men came along they will be around afterwards because we all married older men <laughs> um, oh, and way to plan it out good work <laughs> Right. And, and and we have spent our lives together. We've had children together. There've been divorces. There've been bereavements. There've been all of the, you know, babies' weddings. And in that way, my girlfriends are my soulmates. And for some people, I've heard someone say that their dog is their soulmate or their mum is their soulmate. And so I actually like the idea of pushing it 
that word further than just a romantic relationship because, yeah, I, I think those kind of soulmates do exist. Yeah. I tagged some of my best buds in your post that I saw just about uh, oh. your friends because it is, it's so true. To be known and loved is a gift uh, no matter where it comes from. And then I do think there are certain people that you can find rest with in a way that is just so special and necessary. Yes, I, I agree strongly. And yeah, you're so, you're so held by the people that that you feel, you think about that way. And for me, yeah. it's, it's my girlfriend. Oh, yeah. That's so lovely. I'm so glad. Okay, <laughs> well, I have one really non-book related final question for you. And that is this. I'm most competitive when it comes to what? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a super competitive person. Okay. I will say that. I'm very collegiate. But, you know, last year I had to sign a thousand books for Booktopia, which is an Australian uh, book retailer. And they told me while I was there that they have this competition where they see how many books an author can sign in 60 seconds. And they then told me that a guy I know, a lovely yeah. guy, his name is Josh, and, and I know him, he had the current title. Okay. And that annoyed me because he was a man. So I, I felt <laughs> like this needs to be held by a woman. Yes. <laughs> and Efficiency, please. Yeah, right? Like, yes. So I felt a competitiveness on behalf of my female counterparts. And so I went hard. And look, I didn't win, but I got equal equal billing. So we signed the same amount of books. And I... that was like, yeah, it was for everyone. It was for my sisters. It wasn't for me. But um, <laughs> yes, I think I will say that probably feminism. I'm most competitive when it comes to feminism. Interesting. I really like that answer. I appreciate that. Yes. He signed this many books. Uh, Hold my earrings. I'm going to fix that. Oh my God. (laughs) And did I rub it into him? Yes, I did. Did I post it everywhere tagging him? Yes, I did. I I would have been disappointed. I can be a small person. I'm here for petty, honestly. I am. Yeah. A well-placed petty grievance or a like a light grudge against someone oh gosh I love it it's great (laughs) petty things are the best they're the only things that I want to hear about actually like give me all your petty complaints yes that's amazing well and this is perfect we will direct people to your website (laughs) so that they can send their petty complaints to you at dear sally and you'll be able to respond very magnanimously wisely yes do you like to boss people around in general yeah, I mean, my husband and my kids. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, as I said, you go into different zones. With my girlfriends, I wanted to be bossed around so I could just check out my brain and not have go. to. Yeah, but petty people, yes, of course. I love to feel superior and tell them what to do. Like, when else do you get to feel superior in this life? <laughs> it is so true. And some of those right? advice things, yes, when you get something also that seems so obvious to you, it's like, yes, I am yeah. winning. I'm crushing it, everyone. I am why I am I am Maya Angelou, right? Come yeah. here and let me give you the wisdom. <laughs> you heard I it here Maya first. Angelou of of the petty. Yeah. <laughs> of the petty. 
petty. Queen of the petty. Yes, I will bring it to you. This has been such a delight. Thank you for spending the minutes with me and for just giving me a window into you as a writer and your book, but also just you as a person. I think you are such a lovely presence. And it's so fun for me to have a chance to talk to you one-on-one because I see so much of that in what you bring to the world and not only your books, but really just who you are and the ways you show up. So I think it's wonderful and I'm so grateful. So I'm so excited to see you when you get stateside. I am so excited and and right back at you. I think this is just such a wonderful podcast and I love what you're doing and you're a beautiful interviewer. Well, I'm so glad. Thank you, friend. See you soon. See you. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at juliewritesWords, or you can go to my website, juliewritesWords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.